Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Heavenly Fathers, we open your word. May you be glorified above anything and everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and have a seat. And take your Bibles and uh, open up to the book of Psalms, Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is where we're going to sit today. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can grab a Bible in the pew in front of you, and uh, it will be on page 550 is where Psalm 37 is. Just want to make sure everyone's got a copy of God's Word, uh, because what is most important is what God has already said, and uh, not what my opinion is or what your thoughts are, but what His Word has already stated. And uh, we've been going through this series that we're calling Tolerable Sins. And if you are just joining us, whether that's online or in person here, and this is the first time uh, you've participated in this series with us, uh, I will eliminate the confusion and just tell you up front that according to God's Word, there are not any tolerable sins. But one of the challenges that we step into is... The way we live often communicates that there are sins that we can tolerate. And uh, so the first week we talked about just sin in general in 1 John chapter 1. What is sin? How do we define what that is? Um, and then last week we talked about anger. And uh, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I've been challenged by that all week. And this is not, I want you to know this. <laughs> Uh, family, this when when I get up here and share with you, none of these things are things that I have mastered. Okay, um, rather that uh, I'm just a week ahead of you and looking at what God's word says, and I'm going, man, this is hard. And uh, I I I tell my wife, I said, this is brutal because I I spend all week having to be convicted about these things in my own life. And then you guys are just hearing this for the first time Sunday. Now I gotta re, be reconvicted all over, all over again. Which is a good thing. And oftentimes we, we push away conviction and challenge because it doesn't feel good. And my goodness, if something doesn't feel good, uh, our culture goes, get rid of it. Uh, if I am sick or in pain or in anguish, um, I want to do whatever I need to do to get get rid of that in my life. Give me medicine. Give me something uh, to take that away. And yet one of the most profound and interesting things about what we're called to as followers of Jesus is to have an ongoing recognition of the value of seeing my sin. And then in the midst of seeing my sin, I see Jesus. And when I look at Christ, I reminded once again that I am forgiven and I 
do not have to remain in my sin any longer, but I can walk in newness of life. And that is where healing happens. But church family, don't deceive yourself into thinking that once you believe in the name of Jesus, you will never be convicted again. And in fact, I would argue that it's the opposite. When we choose to follow after Jesus, we begin a war in ourselves, according to the book of Galatians, where it becomes harder. Because it's actually way easier just to live a life in my sin. And it's way easier just to do whatever comes naturally. And hey, I don't have to try at that because it's just there. And if you have any doubt about whether that's natural or not, just spend some time with any children under the age of 10. Right? It's You don't have to teach them. It just comes. And in fact, it starts very, very young. And I can remember being a first-time parent and going, my goodness, are we already going to deal with this? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Very young. So in the midst of this, to clarify, there's, there is not, according to Scripture, any tolerable sin. But we want to pull out the things that we are prone to just look past and accept in order that we could pursue what God has called us to as the church. Okay? And as a piece of this, there's memory verses that are going to build on each other. Each week, I'm going to give you a new verse. And uh, I challenge you to internalize these. Uh, Spend time going over these with your family. If you and your spouse don't have a normal time in Scripture, write these on 3 by 5 cards. Put them on your fridge. Write them out. Um, have, have your kids draw pictures with the verse. There's tons of things you can do. Uh, if you're, if, write them as Deuteronomy, as they told, said in Deuteronomy, write them on the doorposts. Put them everywhere that you would be reminded of God's word, God's truth. And so I want to go through these with you, but I want to challenge you to be memorizing them, okay? So let's, let's say this together, okay? Here we go. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. This one is rooted in the idea of sin. And why are we memorizing scripture? Because we want to pursue this in a way that we internalize the word of God so that we know how to live in order that we don't end up tolerating sin. Okay, this next one was from last week, James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. Let's say this one together. All right. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James one nineteen through 20. Okay. Uh, This one focused in on how do I remind myself that anger is not a tolerable sin. Uh, This is a challenge. And my goodness, we, we have to work in this. I have to work on this. It is a daily thing we have to root into to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why? Because I cannot, we talked about this last week, I cannot be angry in my flesh and model Jesus at the same time. It's not possible. Okay? And then today's, and we already read it earlier in the service time. Let's read this together. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. 
wait for the Lord. Amen. Psalm 27, 14. You guys are keeping me accountable. Thank you. Say that reference, okay? Um, how many of you like to wait? No takers! <laughs> but here's, a, here's another question, okay? How many of you like to rest? How interesting is that? This is common across our culture. And it's created a disconnect. That none of us actually want to wait. And none of us actually like when we're forced to wait. And yet many of us are running so much on empty that we're just longing for the next time where we can rest. Where I can get a breath. Where I can just stop. And some of you have been running yourselves ragged for who knows how long to where anymore. If you do get a moment where you have to stop and rest and wait, you are going insane. Some of you are laughing. You're like, yeah, I know. Because you, in fact, have organized your life in such a way that you don't even know how to rest anymore. And yet, in the midst of a culture that is go, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing, schedules, routine, all, all across the board. We often end up in a place where we wonder, why is it that I feel so distant in my spiritual life? Why is it that that has just become something that doesn't really exist? Maybe it exists on Sunday morning. Or maybe in my small group or when I get together with certain people, but I'm so busy and scheduled the rest of the week that when I'm forced to wait on anything, it does not help me spiritually. In fact, I would say it makes me more agitated, more angry. Fill in the blank. And yet, the call of Scripture is to wait for the Lord. Today we're going to be talking about the sin of impatience. I'm curious, how many of you would say you've mastered patience? <laughs> no hands again. I'm proud of you for being honest. The reality is many of us even joke about that we shouldn't pray to God for patience because he'll give us something that we're impatient about, right? And some of you experience that. And yet we throw out terms like patience is virtue and I, you just need to be patient. It's advice we give people. Just wait. Just be patient. And yet we in and of ourselves are not patient people. If you get nothing else out of today, I want you to grasp this. And we're going to see this in Psalm 37. Impatience is the symptom of our human desire... To be rewarded our way in our time. Godly patience is the result of trust in God's way, in His timing, for His glory. Impatience is the symptom of our human desire to be rewarded our way in our time. 
And yet God calls us to wait on the Lord. To wait for him. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not a patient person. (laughs) Now, I want to qualify this. All right. Hold on. Because some of you are much more patient than others. But here's what I want to say, okay? In the scope of what Scripture defines patience to be, every one of us struggles. Every one of us has opportunity for growth. Even the most patient, easygoing, level-headed of us struggles when things don't happen our way in our time. And what I want to challenge you is we're going to see the psalmist challenge us so clearly is to wait on the Lord. To patiently anticipate what God has already promised to do. And to find refuge and strength in Him. Because the honest truth is you and I are unable to control what takes place around us in the days ahead and the timing in which redemption or change happens. So when we think about this, I want you to ask the question, how do I live out godly patience? How do I walk in godly patience? Now, I just want one more thing I want to qualify. Okay, Um, in no way did I pick this message on Mother's Day because moms are impatient. Okay, all right. This is not targeted at any of you. And if you want a really funny one, when I first put the sermon calendar out and I just threw dates in, the first message that fell in tolerable sins on Mother's Day was gluttony. And I thought, no, this is a bad idea. And I was talking with Brandon about this a couple weeks ago and he went, yeah, that might get you fired. And so I just want to qualify and say that God's word is not individually calling people out from me, but corporately as a whole, every single one of us needs this. Every single one of us needs this truth. And it's something that you and I together as a family, we have been prone to tolerate in our lives. And that happens even in the life of the church where we want things to happen now. We want to see change in our community now to the point that oftentimes we elevate numbers and metrics instead of faithfully walking alongside people for the long haul. Why? Because we're impatient. If someone doesn't change today, I'm done with them tomorrow. That's not what God's heart is. But we have to commit that to the Lord. So I want to read Psalm 37 and then I'm just going to give you two things today that we need to hone in on and ultimately come back to this. Psalm 37, starting in verse one, it says, 
Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Verse 16. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power. Or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I've been a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Father, may you... 
be glorified in your word, in the hearing of your word, in the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First of two, don't become frustrated by the success of the world. Three times the psalmist emphasizes this. And if you mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline or box this. Verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Verse 7, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man who carries out evil devices. Verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. We are prone to get frustrated when we look around and we see people prospering beyond what we are. And it becomes the cause of other sinful behavior like envy and rivalry and dissension and anger. And we, in this, could look at a whole realm of things where we look at someone else and we compare to someone else and we go, Lord, why are they succeeding? Why, why are they having success in the world? Look at how they're living their life. And yet, they have an abundance. They have an abundance. They seem to, everything they do seems to work. And the psalmist is coming back going, Don't fret about this. Don't get frustrated by this. Don't become focused on this. Now, you might say, Matt, it says specifically not to fret over the evildoer. Well, maybe these people that I see, I don't really consider them wicked or evil. Now, they seem like good people, and maybe that's why they're successful. And in fact, you know what? I don't, I don't consider myself that way either. Well, hold the phone a minute. Hey, we need to go back to our focus on what sin is, and this image is going to pop up consistently, okay? That sin is missing the mark, and we understand The biblical mark is the holiness of God. So if I'm not holy as God is holy, then I'm a sinner. I'm missing the mark. And we become content with, honestly, making shots. And um, we become content with, I'm pretty close. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, you know. I've got all these spots around and I'm... I'm okay with this. That's where tolerable sins become tolerable. Okay? When we become okay with hitting around the mark, but not actually continuing to adjust to try and achieve what we've been called to. And so when we stop and consider this, we also need to understand 1 John 2. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world comes back to this first focus. Don't fret about the success of the world. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't even concern yourself with what the world's focus is. You've been given a different mission. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
There's no middle ground. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from this world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here's the reality. I am prone to become frustrated and impatient by the world around me, whether it is because of their success or because of their prevalence in the world. And God's exhortation through the psalmist is this. Stop worrying about the wicked to the point that you fail to trust the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Stop worrying about the wicked to the point that you fail to trust the Lord. This is a huge area where we are prone to become impatient. Now you may go, well, aren't we supposed to speak out against evil? Yes. Aren't we supposed to step in and proclaim the good news in the midst of darkness? Yes. That's where I say, don't become so frustrated with wickedness that you fail to trust the Lord. There's a big difference between the two. We're absolutely to intersect the world with the truth of what we know. That there is salvation and redemption in Jesus. But we can easily become distracted by wickedness or distracted by the world to the point that we completely lose sight of the God who is over it all. Some examples of when we're prone to become impatient. When people don't change the way I want them to change. My, my children, my spouse, my co-workers, my church family. When I don't achieve the financial goals that I think I should by now. Why have they achieved it and I have not? I'm trying, Lord. I'm trying to devote myself to you. When I don't get the job or position I think I should have. When the person who's wronged me seems to move along without justice or what I think should be right. Impatience is rooted in my fleshly desire to be rewarded in my way, in my time. Godly patience is me understanding That trust in the Lord for His way, in His timing, for His glory is best. We're not alone in this feeling of fretting or being frustrated with the world. Proverbs says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Uh, Jeremiah Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them, they take root, they grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. This is not a new struggle. Here's what scripture, here's what the psalmist says about what will happen to the world around us, specifically to the wicked. I'm just going to, kind of rapidly go through all of these that are in Psalm 37, and I encourage you to go back and pick these out yourself. The wicked will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Verse 2. 
The wicked shall be cut off. Verse 9. The wicked will be no more. Verse 10. The wicked plots against the righteous, but his day is coming. Verse 12. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to oppress, but will be destroyed. Verses 14 and 15. The wicked's arms shall be broken. Verse 17. The wicked will perish. Verse 20. The wicked shall be cut off. Verse 28. The wicked passes away and is no more. Verse 36. The wicked shall be destroyed and cut off. Verse 38. You get the idea? God is just the justifier, the righteous judge, and he will bring all things. Everyone say all. All things into account. And the other truth in here is all the things of this world will pass away. Where have you put your faith and your focus? Number two. The second of two. Which really seeks to answer the question. How do I pursue godly patience? How do I do this? And how do I do this well? The amazing thing about this psalm is that the recipe for godly patience is here. It's in God's word. And so you can feel free to take a picture of this slide. You can try to write it down if you want. I'm going to leave it up for a little bit here. This is the path of Psalm 37 and how we wait patiently on the Lord. How we pursue a life of patience in the Lord. And the very first one is trust in the Lord. It might seem really obvious that this would be the basis, the foundation. And yet we often don't look at it that way. The basis for patience and waiting on the Lord is trusting in the Lord. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. Understand this is faithfulness to God's plan and does not mean your plans will succeed. His will. Befriend faithfulness to Him. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. This is one of those passages that people are very prone to take out of context. Don't be one of those people. Okay? This is not saying that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He's going to give you whatever you want. That's called the prosperity gospel. It's not true. And... The disciples of Christ would very much disagree with any kind of prosperity theology because they literally gave their lives for the message they proclaimed. Gave everything. What this is communicating is if you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart change. Because the more you delight yourself in the Lord, the more the desires of your heart match what his desires are. And in 1 Peter, it tells us that the Lord is not slow, as some count slowness, but is patient, desiring that all would reach repentance. Commit your way to the Lord, and He will act. Verse 5, 
Committing your way means you are committing to his way, not him committing to your way. He will act not according to your will, but according to his. Be still before the Lord. Oh, really, we had to have this one in here. That's what many of us think, right? I've got way too much to do to be still. And yet, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. This is emphasized in other places. Um, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 61 says, for God alone my soul waits in silence from Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Wait patiently for the Lord. Verses 7, 9, and 34. Your exaltation and glory comes from Him and not from the world. Remember that. Jesus taught that if you practice righteousness to be seen by men in the world, that's where your reward ends. Wait patiently for Him. He will exalt you. Take refuge in the Lord. Verse 40. Makes it very clear. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Salvation comes when we take refuge in the Lord. He will not fail. Turn to your neighbor and say, He will not fail. This does not mean that we will not be, this does not mean that we will be spared trouble on this side of eternity. Okay? And many of you have already experienced trouble. And if someone has told you, if you just pray a little harder, you just read your Bible a little more, you just spend more time in church, you just do these things, then trouble will not come upon you. It is not true. In fact, for any of you that are married or are planning to get married or are newly married with every one of our premarital couples, I quote a verse from Paul in 1 Corinthians. It says, if you marry, you will have trouble. Scripture doesn't paint a picture that everything's going to get ten times better and all your problems are going to go away. It's not true. Take refuge in the Lord. What it means to take refuge in the Lord is echoes the words of Paul in Romans 8. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And lastly, number seven. Recognize your future is secure in the Lord. Verse 18. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. Everyone say forever. Verse 37. Mark the blameless and behold the upright for there is a future for the man of peace. Is your future secure in the Lord? This is a question I want you to wrestle with. It is your faith that saves you, not your deeds, not your goodness, not how your kids turn out, 
Not how well you do in your job, not how much you give or how much you serve. It's who or what you put your faith in that matters. For those whose faith is in Christ, there is eternal hope that will never be thwarted because he cannot be thwarted. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, I I just want to challenge you along with what I've been challenging myself all week. We should be the most patient, joy-filled people on this earth because what matters is secure. And my impatience reveals areas of my life that I have not trusted to the Lord. Because my impatience is a symptom of me wanting things my way and my time. Rather than going, that which matters will happen God's way in His time for His glory. And His glory ultimately results in my greatest good. For those whose faith is in the world, your hope ends in this world. What awaits you is an eternity separated from God. At the end of the day, that is what matters most. Does that mean if I struggle with impatience that I am automatically not following after God? No, because you are not saved by what you do. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus' name. But what it does mean is that in Christ I can have hope and peace and satisfaction when I delight myself in the Lord. I know He's going to come through. I know He's going to fulfill His promises. And this is why being patient is trusting in God's way, in His timing, for His glory. So when Your kids don't act the way you think that they should. Be patient and be faithful. When you're in a job and you just don't feel appreciated. And you're struggling with how do I model Jesus in this? Be patient and be faithful. When you're encountering struggles day after day, week after week, and internally wrestling and going, where is this world going How do I find any hope when I watch the news? Just don't do that. It's so depressing. Stay informed, but don't don't devote yourself to that. When I look at that, it should make me all the more go, my hope is not here. And so when the here is falling apart, I lift my head and I go, praise God. That my hope is eternal. And if that is not you, we want, desperately want that to be you. To be able to navigate the challenges of this day and every day to come. Because you know that your eternity is secure. I want to challenge you today to be patient. To trust in God's way, in His timing, for His glory, and allow Him to work, because He is. Whether we see it or not, He's working. Let's wait patiently on the Lord, 
And in our waiting, let's walk and live in accordance with the word of God for the glory of God that we might pursue the holiness of God together. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and we're going to sing this song, which is actually uh, a psalm that has been put into word format. Which the psalms were songs and this song is uh, I will wait. Um, may this song be the prayer as we get ready to leave. And that we would walk faithfully in patient endurance as we wait for the Lord. Father, may you be glorified in the proclamation of your word. May you help us to walk in this faithfully for your purposes, for your glory in Jesus name.